0: So today is Super Bowl Sunday, and I thought I'd take this opportunity to share a story of back in the day when I played football at Concordia University in Nebraska. That's me, number 96, right there in the middle. It was about 50 pounds ago. (laughs) I was a little bigger back then. I loved football, loved playing football. Uh, But one thing that annoyed me about it was how long we had to beat up on each other as a team before we actually got to playing an opponent. You know, you got the off season, the spring season, you're beating up on each other, then the preseason, that's three or four weeks long, and just beating up on your own teammates. Inevitably, the offense and the defense would just get at each other's throats and fights would break out amongst us. Uh, I managed to avoid those fights for or being at the center of them for a couple of years uh, there at Seward, but that changed my junior year. I remember it it was the last week before our first game and our last padded practice a Thursday afternoon, and we were doing the two-minute drill, uh, first-string offense versus first-string defense. And I was a nose guard in a three-man front, and I would face off against the center, usually. And the center that year was Dustin Ehlers, my buddy Dustin, yeah. And... uh, I remember getting past him a time or two here during the two-minute drill, and he was getting frustrated. But the offense kept marching down towards the goal line, and the defense was backed up against it. And uh, one play, I shot off, and Dustin grabbed my face mask and dragged me to the ground by it. I was mad. Ooh, I was mad. But I managed to contain myself and line up for the next play. No cheap shots or nothing. I usually keep those between the whistles, right? And so I lined up, and uh, the ball was snapped, and I went off, and I smoked Dustin right in the ear hole. Boom! Yeah, I got him pretty good. He almost fell over. I hit him so hard. And then I ran after the, the ball carrier, and before I got to the ball carrier, I got tackled. That doesn't, that's not supposed to happen to a defensive player, right? Well, guess who tackled me? It was Dustin. Yep, he tackled me, and and we got into a bit of a scuffle. Uh, I kind of lost it at that point, uh, getting tackled. And uh, I don't remember the rest of the practice or, you know, how that transpired, but uh, I do remember being mad at him for, like, a couple weeks. I was just (laughs) angry with him, like, how could he do this to me? I was his teammate, and he could have really hurt me by yanking my face mask like that. He could have hurt my neck. And I stewed on that, and I was angry at him. I was mad at him. Probably bordered on hatred there for a little while, if I'm honest with you. Well, later that fall, I started to, uh, my stomach started to hurt. I just had this aching pain in my stomach, and I went to go to the doctor to get it checked out. And, and he told me I had ulcers. I had developed ulcers in my stomach, which apparently is not too common in a 21-year-old athlete. Yeah. And it left me wondering, did my anger and bitterness result in ulcers? Did I get that angry that I gave myself ulcers? Well, um, for the record, Dustin and I are friends now. We got over our, you know, battles. Uh, Friendships made on the football field are very unique, very special. And uh, since then, we've we've hugged and smiled at each other when we see each other. Um, But man, was I angry at him. Oh, so angry. My question for you today is, do you ever get angry? Does that ever happen to you? Do you ever get angry? If you're shaking your head, no, right now, you're probably not being honest with yourself. Right? It happens to all of us. And it can manifest in different ways. It can happen to us when we're driving in the car. I know that happens for me a lot. Yeah. Somebody cuts you off in traffic and you feel the blood start to boil. Or maybe you're driving down a two lane highway and and somebody pulls out in front of you and you have to stop on your brakes. And then they proceed to drive 10 miles an hour under the speed limit. Oh, man. That is annoying. Or perhaps uh, maybe you've felt anger before at, at the workplace. Maybe uh, angry with a boss or with a coworker worker who uh, just is annoying you or getting under your skin. You're getting a little frustrated by that. Perhaps for you kids, maybe you get a little annoyed and frustrated with your parents telling you to do this and do that. Do your chores. Do your homework. Clean up after yourselves. Uh, get, get home by 10 o'clock, etc., etc., cetera, et cetera, and you get a little, ah! Parents, maybe you get angry with your kids sometimes. You know, when the level of chaos and disobedience in the household gets to this threshold and you just are about to lose it. Or maybe it's with your spouse. You get angry with your spouse sometimes. Yeah, I know that happens, even amongst Christians. Maybe you're feeling a little suffocated by your spouse. Maybe you feel like your spouse isn't really listening to you, doesn't really um, validate and value your opinions and your feelings, and you feel unheard That can get you kind of angry. So what do you do with your anger then? It happens to you. Then how do you respond? Well, hopefully it's not uh, like I did on the football field that day where it ended up in violence and fighting. But we handle it in different ways. Some helpful, some not so helpful. Sometimes we try to get even, seek revenge. Sometimes we use sarcasm to hurt people. Sometimes we withdraw. When we get angry, we stonewall Or maybe we use some passive-aggressive sarcasm, you know, to really get back at them, right? Yeah, we have different ways of reacting um, to our anger and how we feel it. And sometimes it can even, as we internalize it, manifest in ulcers or clinical levels of anxiety and depression. And maybe we don't even know why we're feeling these symptoms, but it's really because we've suppressed the anger. If you look around in the world today, uh, there's plenty of anger going on. Uh, plenty of anger's close cousin violence, too. I don't know if you've noticed when a fight breaks out on a football field or the benches are cleared at a baseball game or the gloves come off at a hockey game, how do, how do the crowds respond? Do they, do they gasp and avert their eyes? No! They cheer all the louder. Yes, a fight. Or how about our media, TV shows, movies? I don't know if you've seen this one, but uh, one of the most violent shows ever to hit the market, and people love it. It's very popular. Or how about our video games nowadays? Yeah, this one. You can just kill innocent bystanders for fun. You know, like, there's violence everywhere. Anger, outbursts of it. Well, Jesus in our text for today has something to say about anger. He starts out kind of talking about how the scribes and the Pharisees um, interpret the law, especially this fifth commandment. You heard that it was said to those of old, you shall not murder, and whoever murders will be liable to judgment. But I say to you that everyone who is angry with his brother will be liable to judgment. Whoever insults his brother will be liable to the council, and whoever says, you fool, will be liable to the hell of fire. See, the scribes and the Pharisees, they taught that if you avoided killing people, you're good. You fulfilled God's command for you. Jesus takes that commandment, and he raises the bar. Jesus was always helping his audience to look into the heart, into the the source of sin, and where it begins, and he interprets the law spiritually, and it really cuts us to the heart when we take a good, close look at it here. So what is Jesus saying exactly? Well, he's not saying that anger in and of itself is sinful. Anger happens to us. It's part of living in, in a broken world. Uh, perhaps before the fall into sin, like Adam and Eve, didn't have to deal with it. But uh, since then, we, we have to. Uh, why? Because um, it indicates a personal boundary has been trespassed or violated we have a certain way that the world ought to work and certain ways that we ought to be treated and when that doesn't happen we get this emotion this feeling of anger it is a human emotion oftentimes we get angry uh, when an expectation has not been met let's say you uh, you know the plumber says he's going to be your house at 9 a.m. and then he doesn't show up until the afternoon and you get a little bit angry you know he did not, he said he was going to be here. Or uh, we can get angry when our sense of injustice is triggered. We have this idea of justice, right? And when that is not met, um, anger ensues, frustration ensues. Jesus himself, if you remember, showed a bit of anger when he overturned the money changers' tables in the temple in, in the week of his passion. Uh, he showed a, a righteous anger, a righteous indignation. Uh, That's that's a little harder for us uh, to exhibit, you know, um, as fallen humans. St. Paul said, be angry and do not sin, or in your anger, do not sin. So he says this is going to happen to you, but don't sin uh, when it does. And don't let the sun go down on your anger, he goes on there in Ephesians to say. So reconcile quickly, deal with it quickly. So... Anger, I'm learning in my counseling program, is oftentimes like a self-defense mechanism. It's like, whoa, 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 you just crossed a boundary of mine. And it alerts us to that, to a trespass. And so in emotionally focused therapy, they teach the infinity circle. I'm going to walk through this with you here a little bit this morning. So um, let's say partner one's the husband, partner two's the wife, and they're in the car and they're driving. Partner one, the husband, um, he's getting to the intersection wants to take a left turn. And the light's green, but then it's yellow. And then he turns right in front of some cars, and, get, and they make it through the intersection. The wife, on the surface, so everything above this line is above the surface, and below the line is below the surface. So the emotion, the secondary emotion above the surface there for partner two is anger. So the wife responds to the, to the husband's behavior. What were you thinking? You could have killed us. That was dangerous. That car would have hit me. Well, that's her secondary emotion. What's going on below the surface, her primary emotion is what? Maybe fear. Maybe, I don't feel safe. I don't feel safe with you. Maybe that reminds her of her childhood. And growing up in a household with an abusive father, where she didn't feel safe hardly at all. That's the unmet attachment need below the surface. And so, she, partner two, uh, has this behavior of criticizing her husband in his driving. And that really triggers his primary emotion below the surface. Well, maybe he's angry first. Maybe he gets defensive, like, it was fine. We were fine. There was not a big deal. You're always nagging me. The primary emotion below that, perhaps, is, I'm never good enough for you. I never measure up. And that kind of reminds him of his childhood, growing up with a perfectionist mother who demanded a lot of her kids. And uh, he felt like he never did enough to earn her affection and her approval. And so, the secondary emotion is that anger, that frustration that leads to him being overly defensive and maybe he then, you know, says something to her that makes her feel even more unsafe. Maybe his anger gets a little out of control, and she's like, ah. And then she goes down into that primary, I don't feel safe. And then she gets angry and criticizes me even more. And then do you see how we go? Around and around and around the loop. But the point is, anger alerts us to something. It alerts us to something going on deeper in our hearts. And we do this all the time. We hurt each other. And we get angry with each other. And if you want to know how to break this cycle, I'd love to set up an appointment with you and your spouse. You know, We could talk through this. I don't have uh, the time today, but uh, anger, it's normal. We get it all the time. It happens in close relationships. But the question is, when does it become a problem? When is it a sin? Well, anger becomes a problem when it's provoked for no good reason. Anger is a problem when we get angry for minor offenses, like when a, a child or a coworker or a spouse um, does something that you know we're probably guilty of too, and it sets us off. Anger becomes a problem when it's provoked for trivial matters, not worth getting worked up about. If getting cut off in traffic ruins your day, that's a problem, right? And when, it, when you get a little. Angry at work, and then you come home and yell at your kids and kick the dog, you know, that's, that's a problem, right? King Solomon writes, good sense makes one slow to anger, and it is his glory to overlook an offense. It is virtuous to overlook minor offenses, to be quick to forgive those. Anger is a problem when it has no end goal, no purpose, just being angry for angry's sake. It's a problem when it is used to exert power or authority over others. When you get into that shouting match to exert your power over somebody else. Anger is a problem when it's used to hurt others, finally. When you're using your anger to hurt people. And then Jesus likens insults and saying, you fool, to tongue murder. So saying, calling people names and saying, you fool. Maybe gossiping about that person when they're not around. Jesus likens that to tongue murder. He puts it on the same playing field. And when you think about that, it's like, oh man, who hasn't broken this commandment? Who hasn't insulted somebody and sinned in anger? Lord have mercy on all of us. So what should we do when we get angry or when someone is angry with us? Well, Jesus gives us some very practical instruction here. He says, so... If you are offering your gift at the altar and there remember that your brother has something against you, leave your gift there before the altar and go. First be reconciled to your brother, and then come and offer your gift. And then he goes on to say, you know, if you're, you settle quickly with your accuser um, before you guys go to court. S- reconcile quickly. Settle matters quickly. And if we're to interpret this to us today, uh, don't come to worship angry. And if, so, if you've if you got a conflict or something going on, settle the matter before coming to worship. Um, that's what he's saying here is, uh, God's word and sacraments are a gift for those who have reconciled with people, who have forgiven one another. So, his instruction for us today is we need to reconcile quickly with those that we're angry with. And this takes some humility. We need to humble ourselves, confess how we've contributed to the problem, to the conflict ask for forgiveness, give forgiveness, and then make amends. Make amends with those that we are in conflict with. So I have a story to share of an example of this. Um, In the counseling world, uh, we talk about attachment, rupture, and repair. Attachment talks about our significant relationships with other people, attachment relationships. Rupture is when those that attachment gets busted. You know, there's conflict, there's a problem. And then repair is how we reconcile and and come back together to that secure attachment. So my dad bought a side-by-side ATV this last fall. Very nice. And uh, before he even got the opportunity to drive it around much, uh, I was up in Nebraska and I said, Hey Dad, can I can I borrow the ATV? Can I take it for a spin? He said, Sure, son, have fun. And uh, I Took my nephews and we jumped in the ATV and we rode around and, and it was only about 10-15 minutes later before I got it stuck in some mud. Oops. My bad. Uh, so it wasn't a big deal. It has a winch on it and I, you know, pulled it, pulled it out with another vehicle and it was fine. I called my dad after the fact and said, hey, I got the ATV stuck, but don't worry. It's fine. I uh, got it unstuck and it's back in the shed. No, no big deal. Well, a few days later, uh, my brother calls my dad, and he's looking at the ATV and how it's still caked in mud. Um, in my defense, there was no water at the site, so I, I would have cleaned it up. Anyway, for some reason, this sets my dad off, and he gives me a phone call, and he lets me have it. He lets me have it. You are so careless. You've always do this. You don't think before you do stuff like I'm sorry dad I know no for sure I shouldn't have done that please forgive me you know I'm sorry it's like if there's anything broken you're going to fix it and I was like yes dad I'm sorry no for sure I'll fix the thing if it's busted and uh he forgave me that uh that phone call but man I was a little like shaky after hearing my dad berate me for a while well a couple hours later I get another phone call from my dad and he says uh Hey, Aaron, I just wanted to apologize for my tone of voice. I, was a little, I thought I was a little too harsh with you. And uh, I just wanted to let you know that I care more about our relationship than this ATV. Can you forgive me? And I was like, yes, Dad, I forgive you, for sure. Attachment, rupture, and repair. Don't let the sun go down on your anger. And this is how God relates to us right god created us to be with him to enjoy a secure relationship with him and we mess that up by sinning against him by sinning against one another but god has the solution for that he has the repair he sent his son jesus into this world to take on his anger and his wrath for sin our sin and to win our forgiveness now we have a heavenly Father who doesn't look at us in anger, but in love and grace, just like the Father of the prodigal son, welcoming us back with open arms. God, our Father, has grace for us, mercy for you, for me. He wants us to be with Him, and His grace is sufficient for us. And so, the next time you feel that anger rising, just remember what Jesus did for us. Remember how much your heavenly Father loves you. Amen.